Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Kay Matthews, who at eight months into her pregnancy, she delivered a baby girl named Troya Simone, stillborn. The experience of her birth and postpartum will lead her down another journey, the creation of the Shades of Blue Project and Black Maternal Mental Health Week. We are grateful to hear her truth today. Hello, Kay. Welcome to the show. Hi, and thank you definitely for having uh, me be a part of the show. Can you start by telling us a bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, so I tell people all the time, I'm just Kay. Um, When you meet me, I am my authentic self all the time because I don't know how to be anything other than that. And if I was anything other than that, I wouldn't keep up with it, right? And so I just show up authentically who I am. Um, That's across the board with my family and who I consider to be my family is my husband and my dog. Look, I have a small little tight knit. That's my family. That's what I love. That's what keeps um, me going. Um, And then in this work, I'm still just K. Um, Titles mean absolutely nothing. Um, to me. Um, I'm adamant and I stand on that. Um, It is who I am as a person um, that continues to propel and lead me forward. Um, So yeah, it's me, my husband, and my dog. And sometimes I am in community with, you know, sisters and brothers, but typically it's just me, my husband, and the dog. Come on, little family. Hello. Hello, dog. Shout out. What's What's the dog's name? We got to shout the dog out. I was about to say, so the dog's name is Duke. Uh, Hi, Duke. And let me tell y'all, Duke is uh, social media famous because he is with all the shenanigans. I really do think that he is a reflection of me and my husband, and people love it. They really don't like to see me because they typically ask, how's Duke? Right. I'm like, you just saw him. <laughs> oh, really? But okay, I'm fine. You know, a little jealous. I'm just saying, just you? a tad bit. But yeah. About Duke. Duke and all his fans, so yeah. Okay, I'm like, we got to shout out Duke. Hello. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Look, you'd be excited. Um, Well, let's jump into it. Tell us a bit about your pregnancy with Troya. So, you know, being pregnant during the time that I was, I was like at the height of my lifespan. So I thought, right, I tell people now I'm kind of like on my third lifetime, uh, because when I thought that this was going to be all the things that I had dreamed to come to fruition, um, it, it did not end and go the way that I thought, Um For so many years, I heard that pregnancy was joy, was all of these things. Um, Honestly, it was me being pregnant at a time where I was building out a career that I had worked really, really hard for. I had jobs, more jobs than I could handle. Um, And when you're an entrepreneur, it takes you a long time to understand that more is not how you get ahead. Uh, But I had not gotten into that phase because I had worked so hard. So I'm a retired uh, chef. Um, I have traveled the world and cooked all kinds of food, make custom cakes, all of those things. Um, So I was getting like big NBA contracts. And that year in 2013, it was an all-star contract um, that I had gotten um, like a couple of, maybe like a couple of months before. So I was really like laser sharp focused on business. Um, and really nothing else. Um, That is something that I personally, um, you know, there's a lot of blame that happens um, after the adverse things start to happen. So during that pregnancy, I was at the height of my life and that was really what mattered, not the thing that I had initially wanted. It was like all the pieces were falling into play, relationship, baby, job, all the things, right? Um, I genuinely, honestly, was not prepared for um, where life just spiraled without my control. So I am the person who is always in control. Um, and I didn't have any control over this. And when you don't have control over adverse outcome things, I'm the blame, um, right? It was all the things that I didn't do, um, how much I should not have done. I even remember asking my doctor, should I start working? 
And he was like, well, if you feel comfortable and you're okay, you're getting up, all right, you're okay. And I was like, oh, that's all I needed to hear, right? It was that little voice in the back of my head saying, nah, you should chill out, like pay attention to yourself and what's going on. Um, but I did ask that question. That's another one of those things that for a long time I had to move past is how I asked that question and I was given the okay. And there was a couple of weeks before um, losing Troy that I felt like, shit, I'm not going to, I'm a cusser. So it's real hard for me not to cuss. Let me be clear on that. Uh, but I really <laughs> felt like shit. <laughs> And I was just like, man, this is not okay. So at that time, though, I did really kind of make this, I'm going to slow down, even though I know he said, if you're still feeling good, that was the thing. He said, if you're still feeling good, it's okay. But then I started to feel like really bad. And I was like, yeah, this ain't in alignment with another shit. But the other thing, though, as an entrepreneur, is it's not just like you can say, I'm going to chunk the deuce and I'm out of here. Mm-mm. You got to get a lot of things in play to be able to say that you're going to slow down and do those things. And to be honest with you, at that time, I really wasn't in that position, but I was going to make it happen. Um, and let's just say making it happen um, did not come at, in my control. Um, two weeks after just feeling really crappy at a party is when the birth started way too soon. Um, I had like a whole two weeks. I have a high pain tolerance. That's a negative. Um, and I want to say that I think there are a lot of things that happen with us that we don't talk about so other people can truly identify. So with a high pain tolerance, um, a lot of things I would ignore. Um, it, it, it can make me uncomfortable, but not enough to be like, oh, girl, you need to go talk to somebody. Like mm -mm. a high pain tolerance is me like pushing through like, ooh, that don't feel comfortable but I also have this thing to do. So we'll just, you know, have that subside and keep pushing forward. So a lot of the um, the things that I also attribute to being the strong Black woman uh, were all, you know, end up being the negative uh, for me in the push-through mentality that, honestly, I was raised with a force or forced to uh, implement in my everyday life. Um, it's also the very thing that brought me to my knees. Um, and so um, when I think about um, the pregnancy loss as a whole, I think that that is, and I know that that is the biggest thing that I have lost in all of my life. Uh, and so there are no losses that add up to that loss in particular because of all of the things in which I felt like I felt like I had control over, but in reality, when things are going to happen, you have no control over them because they're going to happen with or without you, right? Um, so yeah, it was supposed to be like this joyous thing that I would always see growing up on TV or hear, even hear folks who were pregnant talk about, and it just wasn't like that for me. It went by like a blur, uh, but it changed me and it continues to change me. Um, there's different emotions even 10 years later. There are different um, emotions that pop up like out of the blue. And I'm like, damn. And so in that 10 year span of time, people would ask certain questions and I'd be like, I didn't even think about that. Like the thing about having a, a footprint made of the baby's hand and things like that, like mementos of that, that was not my experience. Um, my experience um, after loss was completely even more traumatic than the loss in so many. It kind of coupled um, with it. I felt like um, I was just told to just go and live my life again and that I would get an, another opportunity. Um, I feel like that's where we fail. And that's why I stayed in such a bad mental state for so long. Um, is because I was always someone, I am, and I still am someone who thinks for myself and don't necessarily, will not always take to heart what you're saying. But I was in a different environment, in a different headspace, because this thing, I couldn't wrap my logical mind around, my sane mind around, none of that was happening for me. And so what people were saying during that time, I literally took everything to heart. It was just like, no, you know, this thing happened. You're going to be okay. Give it time. Give it time was one of the worst things people could have told me back then. 
simply because I kept saying, do y'all know what time this is, this thing going, this thing going to stop? You know, do you know what time it's going to go away? When am I going to start feeling like myself? So really feeling like I'm just out in the world of a billion people by myself and really navigating um, things by myself, um, not really around people who understood. Um, thinking from my now husband's perspective, um, he he's experienced um, loss with a previous relationship. And so his advice um, to me, I rejected it because I didn't want to hear no, you know, oh, what you learned from somebody else. No, no, no. You know, like this is not the same. Um, so then two, that reaction came back around. Um, I actually did not hold uh, my daughter because one, I was extremely sick after, um, and they had me like in ICU and all of that. And he kept asking me if I wanted to hold the baby. And I can be honest, I was just not in a right state of mind. First of all, I can be tell, I'm honestly afraid, afraid of dead people, right? And so the correlation between this is my baby and not just a dead person was not there. And I was like, I don't want to hold a dead baby. Like, I don't, how does that work? Like, how does that work for me? Like the struggle was real, real. And this is just shit that people don't talk about. And it's why it can't just be, it, it can't just be my focus. Like I never elected to just focus on stillbirth. No, I want to focus on just the birthing experience as a whole so people understand how it is okay that these are your thoughts, but how do you move past that not being okay when it becomes not okay? Like, it's okay that you're confused and these are your feelings, but when do you get to a point where intervention is important for somebody to be like, yeah, I get it, but this not, you know, like, we gotta, we gotta get you something, uh, some help or, you know, some guidance on this thing, even when it's new, right? Um, but it's amazing, though, how many people I found out after even, you know, I wanted people to identify with me in in, in, in so many ways, um, but I just didn't get that. Um, I'll be honest, like my mom, my sister uh, died young. She actually died in a car fire when she was a little baby. Um, and they, it happened so quickly. And I thought because my mom had lost the baby, that she would be able to identify uh, with me, but that did not happen. Um, she did not identify, you know, she was not able to help me where I necessarily was um, in this point of pregnancy. It was just, they felt sad for me, um, for me, but couldn't necessarily help me in the way in which I needed them to do so. So it was a struggle uh, for me when people ask me, hey, um, do you need help? And I would say, I don't know. And it became offensive to folks. Like, what you mean you don't know? Because I didn't know what exactly um, I needed. I know I needed something that I wasn't getting, but I definitely could not pinpoint um, what that was. People can't help you or know how to help you if nobody helped them, right? I'm a, I, I understand that, but I also don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not okay with that being valid, right? Because it's not what I chose to do. Um, and although everybody is not me, it's still not what I chose to do. And I need more folks to be like me, like, hey, talk about the uncomfortable things because Again, this as the per as the helper of everything and being the one that puts everything together, now looking at a plate that seemingly is in a thousand pieces and I don't have enough glue to put it back together. That's how I felt um, about the loss of this child. Um, and for so long, I would just refer to her as a child. I I had to, you know. I didn't even know half of the things and no one talks about that you have to do when you deliver a, a, a child stillborn of uh, like what they consider to be full term. You have to give the baby a full name because she needs a death certificate. Uh, you have to bury this child in Texas. So that's that's a whole nother expense that not everybody is prepared for. There are so many things that I had no clue about, and I was figuring them out myself. 
Um, when it was time for me to go home from the hospital, I'll never forget asking the nurse, where's my baby? And so she was like, oh, no one told you? And I was like, told me what? And so she was like, let me go figure it out. And she left and was gone for a long time. And then she came back with a little piece of paper that had an address and a phone number on it for me to call. Not like they had a protocol or something where, you know, they would hand me. This was her. So it took her long because she went to figure it out and then brought it back to me in that way. So just like overall, like interactions within the hospitals was was so subpar. It is actually the first time that I realized that I was a black woman in America and they didn't necessarily give us um, good treatment. I feel like I was asked a plethora of questions that didn't have anything to do with anything. Um, I was questioned a lot which also lend to be like this whole thing was really my fault. Um, I, my OB took a complete different um, turn. One of the things she told me uh, when she came to visit me is that she had never lost a baby in all the years of her being uh, delivering uh, babies. And so I used to say that and share that um, when I first started speaking um, and doing speaking engagements in front of doctors. And one time a doctor pulled me to the side and told me that was complete bullshit and they are trained to say that um, when these type of situations occur. And so it's probably been about five years when I asked for like an appointment to talk with her, to see her and to tell her how much she impacted me with that statement and how her, her, her how her staff treated me when I came back in for like follow-ups and things um, like that. And of course, the unapologetic, I apologize was what I was given. But I also wanted to let her know that you did not alter my life in that way where it actually propelled me. It didn't alter me and shut me down um, as it could have. And if this is the way you operate with others, I'm pretty sure there are a lot of women out there suffering right now um, because of the way in which you handle these type of situations. And, you know, one thing that she did in response to that, say that um, she was so caught off guard by what transpired with me um, is that she did give me a blanket response and it didn't have any compassion or empathy in it. But I was just like, you don't get to code switch like that. It was not the behavior I was used to when I was engaging with y'all during um, the prenatal, all of that period. So why switch up in the postpartum period? Um, even down to my follow-up, I felt like just get her in and get her out because ain't no baby no more. So that's the way I felt. Um, and that was my engagement. The tone and the way in which they reacted um, to me in the postpartum period was different. Um, and with saying like I was really struggling with some things, that part was not even addressed. So it did, there was like no, it was just like, how are you in a professional position um, in caring for people and not ne necessarily knowing how to care for them and really get them to help, even if it's considered to be outside of your scope. But I never considered this thing to be outside of her scope, right? So all of these things I'm learning on my own and I think that that's really a, a shitty way to have to experience um, this thing is navigating this world on your own with no guidance. Just my feelings was what was fueling me because I was different. And so people would tell me, hey, you know, you gotta give it the time. You gotta, it's gonna be okay. You're gonna be back to normal. And that didn't ever happen. Um, the K that I was before that day died along with my child. I had to literally seven to eight months into this figure, come to the conclusion that I had to save myself. And I was no longer that K anymore. I didn't have the energy to make other people happy. I didn't have the energy to do a bunch of events, travel around the world and do this. All of that, honestly, because that was what was driving me at that time. It is also what killed my dream as a whole. And so that went away with her. And I didn't know what to do with that because I had been doing, uh, being a caterer and making people happy through events all my life, it seemed like. So who was this person 
that I was looking at now. I didn't even know. I barely even looked at the in the mirror uh, for at least a year or so after losing my daughter. I didn't know who I was. Um, besides, I was withering away um, within myself and nobody was coming to save me because they didn't know how and I didn't know how to tell them. Uh, it's a sad thing um, to know that that's who um, I was and still having to be strong and wake up every day. Um, but when I came to the realization that I had to save myself, um, I felt differently about things. Um, nobody could tell me anything because nobody told me anything prior to me realizing that I was going to have to figure this thing out on my own. Um, the help that I was receiving was subpar. Um, what I feel like is not talked about enough is how that one loss is like a domino effect to a lot of losses. Um, it's a loss of things and people. Uh, it's a loss of friendships, relationships. Um, me and my husband now, he's my husband now, but he was my um, boyfriend then. Um, we separated for a whole 97 days, I counted. Um, and it's not that I didn't want to be in a relationship with him. I didn't want to be in the relationship with him that he knew prior to. And so I was somebody different that I was now wrangling with. Um, and I just couldn't do that with other people. Um, if our relationship was like shaky before I lost my daughter, it was dead in the water after. It was like I didn't have the capacity to try to salvage anything. Um, I was literally day by day putting myself back together, uh, finding out who I was, finding somebody who would listen to me. And to be honest, it just simply ended up being me going for my well woman checkup. And I was telling um, I was telling him about how I was feeling. And I had been going to him since I was like 18. So he knew me. He They knew things were just like different with me. Um, and I came with all my research. So I was like, I'm going to see what he says. Like, Everybody else, you know, is not making this correlation in like postpartum depression. Like, what the hell are you talking about, girl? You ain't got no baby, right? So that's how the world seen postpartum depression in 2013. It have no correlation to not having a baby instead of you gave birth. And so that's how postpartum depression develops. And that's where it comes from. Um, but he, he, he acknowledged what I was saying. And he was like, yeah, that's definitely what it is. And then I got to exhale. And in that same moment, I had to inhale again because now who's going to help me? You know, his nurses were always phenomenal. They found support groups, but nothing in those support groups. Nobody in their support group looked like me and no one identified in my situation. Right. Um, and so I went a little bit, but I was like, yeah, so this is not working. So now what do I need to do? Um, I literally felt like I was going insane. Uh, it's doing the same things, expected yield, you know, the thinking different results would happen. But I started journaling because writing was one of the, the biggest things for me. I used to write a lot. So I just started journaling and just writing things down and then realizing and understanding that I was doing the exact same things over and over again. I was like, ah, that's why I had that one good day. And then I had two weeks where I was just like, okay, my life is falling apart over again. Like, what are we doing? And it wasn't until I started to write down how I was feeling is when I realized this is what's going to get me through. This is what's going to help and remind me is that if I don't get out of bed, I'm going to have this kind of week. But if I do get out of bed and if it is, even if it's just going into the living room and watching some TV or walking outside on the patio or going to the park, how it's going to yield a different outcome of the week for me. And that's just how I started, like really slowly in that way of telling myself that we're going to come up out of this, that we're not going to sit here and that it's going to just be you and me, just me, myself and I literally um, is how we are going to do this. And I started um, asking people who had babies about their birthing experience which led for folks to talk about the losses, talk about the abortions and things like that. And I was like, shit, now this is almost a year later. But I was like, damn, how come we couldn't have these conversations then? And I did, I wouldn't feel like I was navigating the world like this one lonely person um, out here to fend for myself. Um, but it made me realize that I was right. 
that one, I this can't just be, I'm special, but I wasn't that special. And then it's not just me out here. It's got to be other folks. Um, and it just made me want to talk more and get other people to talk um, and then see how we can share that. Um, and I just took it literally one step at a time. I kind of got back into catering, um, but not like I was. I would host like brunches and have people come out and make diaper cakes. And then we would donate those diaper cakes to teen moms. Um, and that's how I kind of started on this healing journey um, in that way. But it wasn't wholeheartedly what I needed. I was still connected to the fact that I could have had a baby and needed diapers and needed a stroller, right? Um, it wasn't, it, it was the start of the healing, but it wasn't the only part that needed to happen. Um, but when the school district that I was in, because I was a part of the advisory panel, allowed me to be able to visit with the teen moms once a month for like a roundtable conversation, that's where I fit. It was the mental health part. That I was like, this is where my impact is really coming in. I'm also seeing the benefits of giving folks like basic necessities that they may not be able to afford. But it's a twofold. It's like, I'm going to give you this, but I'm also going to give you this for yourself. So these things are for your babies. But this mental health conversation piece is for you. And that's the biggest driver. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how it came. Like in the midst of my recovery, I wanted other people uh, to not have this extended amount of time where they were trying to figure shit out and it wasn't coming together for them. Um, and that it could be better. It could be different. So, but somebody got to be out here fighting uh, for us. This was really the fight of my life. Uh, the fight of my life for my life. Like what did, who did Kay want to be now? Um, because who I was no longer existed in any capacity. If folks asked me about food or about cakes, I would get extremely angry. It was just like, don't do that. I don't want to hear about that because I'm not doing that anymore. And it took me a long while to get out of that because I still had a calendar. It, it taught me It taught me some things. Don't do a calendar two or three years out because you still got to fulfill those commitments. I wasn't showing up my authentic self. I wasn't showing up in my food because my food, when I cooked, it was love and people, love, you know, I felt my food was different. I felt my cakes and my engagement with people was completely different. Nobody noticed a thing, which was even worse because I noticed it, but no one else noticed it. And I was just like working my calendar until it was completely done and I could be done um, and I could retire um, in good standings. Um, and that's what I did. That's what I eventually worked towards doing while building uh, something for us to have a platform uh, to not feel like we are here navigating the world aimlessly and no one sees us um, and we're not important. So. First of all, thank you for sharing all of that. Second, there are so many layers <laughs> that I'm like, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta peel it back. Um, yeah. I think I'll, I'll go all the way back um, and mm -hmm. Did you go into spontaneous labor or did you go in for a checkup and they noticed? No, spontaneous labor. Okay. I, yeah, I woke up and I went to bed in pain. That was the other thing. So I had a wedding cake to do. Um, this this part of it is is important um, because I, I some things I can do in my sleep. Making a cake was one of them. I can get up at three o'clock in the morning. I can bake layers of cakes within a two and a half hour time frame. Have your cake ready for you for pickup at 10 30 a.m. That's just that was my methodology because I was a fast paced person. I had a wedding cake to do, um, but this pain was so excruciating that I was feeling that I remember meeting my sister that night to drop off something. And she was like, oh, you look like shit. And I was like, I know, right? I was like, I feel like shit too. Um, and I was like, you know, here's the thing. If after I finish this wedding cake and I don't feel better, I'm going to the hospital. And so she was like, yeah, please do. And I was like, all right. So I went home, I laid down um, and I started to feel better a little bit like this, this uncomfortableness that I was feeling. I was like, oh, okay. I needed to, to rest. I'd had a long day. I was helping actually another person to open up a restaurant at that time. So it was a busy time for me while 
getting ready to, I just finished up the All-Star Weekend, all these things, all these new contracts while helping someone to open up their restaurant. So busy, crazy. And I was like, that's what it is. I'm tired. I got up early that day. I just need to rest. So I laid down. I felt better. I fell asleep um, around four or something in the morning, waking up before my alarm clock went off was the pain. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, okay. I'm going to lay here a little bit longer, which is not my norm. And I knew it. It was just like like the per- I was standing outside of myself tapping me like, Mm-mm, this ain't it. Like, this not working. But I still was like, I'm going to lay here a little bit. I just need a little bit more rest. And then it was just like, girl, like an hour later, I was like, mm-mm, 911, please come get me. I haven't the slightest idea uh, what is happening. And the lady's like, you know, asking me a million questions, I just remember laying the phone down, getting up and unlocking my door to my apartment and cracking it so they could get in. And that is all that I remember. That was it. I did it, did what needed to be done. I kept the phone going so they could find me and I locked the door so they wouldn't have to bust it down to get in. And that's all that I remember. Um, and I also remember, you know, the roll into the hospital and all of these lights. And I'm like, what the fuck? I was just talking, you know, like I was just talking and now I'm seeing lights. And I was like, what is happening? Another blackout. Um, so when I came to and I woke up, there was no baby. Um, and yeah, I was in the ICU um, to my and I woke up to my husband, like standing on the side of me, like literally with the, a fear I've never seen in him, even in all of these years that we've been together, I've never seen that look on his face ever again after that day. It was just like the look like, I don't, not sure if she gonna wake up or not. Uh, but yeah, that's how that happened. And so I think, all right, and then I'm gonna jump back again. So you talked about mm-hmm. Your before, I'm telling y'all, there's just so many layers and I'm just so thankful <laughs> that you are sharing your journey, but you, you, you hit it spot on about, you know, the strong black woman narrative and mm-hmm. how we will work through anything, work through extreme pain, pass thing off. It's always just a discomfort because we're taught where it's ingrained in us that like, you got to keep moving. Um, And, you know, like you said, where we were in 2013 and where we are now, we're definitely finding those shifts. But it's still there's still a little piece that we're all still grasping with to be like, just let it go, like tune into yourself. And Mm -hmm. I feel like pregnancy is one of those times where you do have to be so aware of what's happening to you um, and everything comes to the forefront about that. And So that's Mm -hmm. the beginning of like you not even being able to process that part. Then you just described Mm -hmm. your actual birth, right? So Mm -hmm. to black out and not even experience the birth and to wake up to Mm -hmm. a loss, like all of that trauma Mm -hmm. of that moment and also you being Mm -hmm. like, am I okay? Um, Right. So there's that layer. And then the layer of now you've lost your daughter and and I just love how transparent you are about like you know I was afraid of dead people and like how do I make the connection that this is mine but it's also a dead person like how do I connect Mm -hmm. those layers um and Mm -hmm. thinking about where we were in 2013 about how to care for folks who are who have had losses and and I say 2013 but we still got a lot of work to do about the mm-hmm. compassionate care that we demonstrate yes. to people who have losses. Um, mm-hmm. But not being able to hold you up and also hold your partner up. Um, and for the doctor to then make that comment about, I've never had a loss. Like, what the fuck is the point of that? What does that do for any of right. us in this moment? Nothing. And if that's what they're teaching in med schools, yeah, that's bullshit. That's also a piece of why I do this work as well. Because you told you telling me you've been trained to say that, and that, no, someone else told me you were trained to say that. Another doctor is who told me that they are trained to say that. Like that's the 
that's the compassionate that's the compassion that they've been trained to give is to tell like oh girl you the only one so that's on you see if i'm the only one i feel like that that i did right. all the wrong things because i am the only client that you have ever had to experience this that ain't no conference no Go back but to the for you board. as a care provider mm-hmm. to be so much outside of your body that you aren't even able to mm-hmm. connect the dots that like even though i was trained to say that that's trash let me be mm-hmm. let me be a caring provider to this person right. who just is in ICU, probably almost died, and also lost their child. Mm-hmm. How can I hold them in this yeah. moment and then also set them up for when they leave? Mm-hmm. What? Yep. Mm-mm. None of that. I would <laughs> see when they leave. <laughs> I left with the bag that had a discharge, the discharge form that I signed. In the clothes I came into the hospital in. There was nothing else in that bag. And the thing about it is, I looked. I was like, they had to have given like a pamphlet or something. Cause you know, they 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 they're gonna load you up with all the little booklets. That wasn't shit in my bag, but the discharge paper that I signed and the clothes that could certainly burn to hell for all I cared. Um, that's what they gave me. Like there should be protocol of holding people in that moment. Then when you leave, we at least have four or five therapists you can talk to. We have a support group for you to go to. For you, if you have a partner, that person, a pamphlet we can then give to other support people because then there was a layer of, like you said, showing up to your family and your friends, all right? And and this all boils down to like us not having these uncomfortable conversations, us not being honest that like there is loss, right? That every pregnancy right. isn't this joyous, beautiful thing. That there are so that there is a that birth in all of its entirety is a spectrum and is different for every single person. But when we're open about it, like you said, it doesn't allow us to feel like it was my fault that this occurred and I'm alone. And I Yep. And I also want to add, because when folks listen um, to this, let me be clear. This was 2013. Um, I oftentimes don't share my story because I am back then. And now I just kind of do it when it's necessary. Uh, Because people who have experienced great interactions after having lost, getting what they needed. I'm telling you that I didn't. It's not to say that there are not great programs out there and things like that. What I'm saying is I did it. So don't try to downplay what I'm telling you happened um, to me because that's been very frustrating uh, for me. Um, and, and it's still to this day, it's very frustrating for folks to be like, oh, well, no, that's not what happened. Well, my friend lost her baby. And what well, I'm telling you, is that on May 29, 2013, in 10 days following, it is not what I received. None of it. Um, and I am grateful that folks did not have, that is the point of why I do this work. I am so grateful that everybody is not having this type of experience, but don't try to downplay what happened to me because what happened to me is why I'm here. This is why you know Kay Matthews, because if this had not happened to me, you would not know me in this context. This is not what I said I wanted to grow up and do, right? It's this life-changing thing that propelled me. So I want people to understand um, that piece is that I'm not negating that there are other that are, there are great programs out there that have been in hospitals and things like that, but it wasn't in the hospital that I delivered in and had this experience in. That was nothing, and this how I this is how I was sent back into the world to navigate for myself, which also made me realize again that a lot of my care or non-care or, or caring about me, I felt I was based on the color of my skin. Like call it for what it is. Because again, I didn't feel like a black woman prior to in any of this context prior to that day. But afterwards, there were so many questions like, okay, so are you here by yourself? Do you have a partner? And I'm like, well, who do you think that is sitting over there? Like, some, that's not my brother. Like, come on. Like, I mean, it was just this thing, like this stigma that was placed. And, and I kept like, hmm, a lot of the times, like, I just like, why are you asking me okay and why not this and like i said then even the nurse going back and coming to me with a torn out piece of paper with information that she went and searched and find like 
come on y'all like so i want to say that um um, which is why i'm grateful to have the platform with y'all um to be able to say what needs to be said because i feel like inserted they they try to downplay my experience and and that's the bullshit no because it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it it doesn't matter if someone has come to you to share their experience, to tell you their story, it is valid. It is honored. Plain, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. This is what this person experienced. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. And so we we take that for what it is. And we, and we honor that. And we affirm that. And we're like, yes, that is your, that is your experience. That is your story. Thank you for sharing it with me. Yep. Mm-hmm. girl that ain't been my experience so <laughs> i um yeah it's it, it it has not been i i tell people that i learned a long time ago in the early stages of doing this work to not lead with the fact that i lost my daughter because i would lose people they would be stuck on the ah moment no i need you to be saying ah and what i told you happened after not the loss but what happened after the loss is what i need you to be sad and upset about <laughs> right and you were That's so it. you spot on when you said beforehand right the k that was before was no longer there how do we take care of the new k how do we show up for her mm-hmm. how do we give her what she needs and 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 it and there was there was no holding you, you don't know what she needs that yeah right that and not yeah. being offended by the fact that when someone at at when you ask someone if they need help and they say they don't know, please don't be offended by that. Because in reality, you, you just don't know. You're navigating. You're trying to figure it out. I don't have the blueprint, but if you help me build it out, maybe that'll help me. Right. And maybe that's the help I need right. without even knowing it. Right. right. Um, and it's giving so, it. Yeah. We say this all the time on here. It's giving this giving someone the space to to just share what happened can then allow them to kind of process out like, yeah, you know what? I ain't eat today. Maybe that's what I need. Or I couldn't get out the bed today. Do you want to sit down and watch a show with me? We don't, we don't need to talk, but help me get off this, get me out of the bed. Right. I just need to cry. And how that's a continuum. Yeah. And, and how it that's doesn't a continuum, end. Like over time. Right. Because the first person who asked me, did I hold my child, made me go back to the moment where I said, I didn't want to hold a dead baby. And then I was telling myself, you ain't shit. That's what you said? Like, you actually said that? Because somebody asked me, did you hold your baby? And I was just like, I didn't want to say that I said I didn't want to hold a dead baby, though. But that And, and, and so I, what I did was... Mm-hmm. Well, I was just going to say that, like, I love that you were like, but that's the reality of all the emotions and all the feelings. You are a person. Mm-hmm dealing with something that you were not prepared for and was not a part of the roadmap. And that's what came up and that's what showed. Yep. And that doesn't make you any less of a mother or any less of anything other than in that moment, that is what happened. And yep. you process through that and you work through that. And it's a continuum. And, it, right. and, and, and grief it was a shows moment. up. It was a right. moment of your whole journey that is still ongoing. Yep. And, we, and, and, yep. and from here on out, people need to hold you in those moments as you move through. Yep. It will be forever. Is an everyday thing. It's a, it yeah, ebbs and flows. Recovery is every day. Yep. Ebbs and flows. Yep, 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 yep. And we say it all the time on here. You know, postpartum is forever, and mm-hmm. we and we have to work within those ebbs and flow of how postpartum shows up for us. And I'm saying the postpartum experience, and I'm gonna I'm saying that specifically so people don't get mm-hmm. confused, like postpartum depression or uh, postpartum anxiety, postpartum mm-hmm. psychosis, all the mental um, uh, things that might arise through the postpartum experience. But it is forever, mm-hmm. and something that maybe showed up the the first year may not show up the third, and then something that did might re show up. It's ever evolving, um, but right. we have to be able to hold and people. understanding it right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you are now at a place where you are supporting others through this experience. Can you tell us all about the work of the Shades of Blue Project and Black Maternal Mental Health Week and what is coming up for you? So my support 
um, is centered on birthing experiences and not birthing outcomes. Um, because if we do not focus on the experience, we exclude so many individuals. Um, being a mother um, does not, um, how do I want to say this? Um, so when it's Mother's Day, people don't, some will say Happy Mother's Day and some won't. Um, that's a preference. For me, I want you to tell me. Uh, for others, you th that may not, because on my birth and experience, I I am and I was and I am Troy's mother. Uh, and so a happy Mother's Day does something good for my heart, but it may trigger someone else and like the understanding of that, because based on my birth and experience, I need that for me. But others based on their birth and experience may not. Um, and so it is not the focus on I lost her it's the focus on that I birthed her. And so that is what we do in this space. It is about our experiences and not our outcomes. And so um, we don't leave anybody out. We don't leave anybody who had to experience an abortion or chose to have an abortion. Those who have experienced miscarriages, stillbirths, they're all different. And so we, as regular everyday people, categorize how one's baby is categorized. Like, you ain't no medical professional. Chill out. And I'm not going to have to go, I'm not going to go through you and tell you why my daughter was considered a stillborn versus a miscarriage. And then you may refer to it as a miscarriage. And guess what? I'm going to correct you and tell you, no, she was born still. As a different dynamic there. But that's my birthing experience that I can correct you on because that is the only thing that I own out here is that. And no one can take that away from me in this work and in this space. So I get to navigate and tell my story how I want to, because it is mine. I tell you, it's the only thing that I have um, that belongs to me in this work. Um, and so that's what pushes us. So I focus on um, the birthing experience. And so that is inclusive of everyone. Um, our mental health is important. So whatever your birthing experience, that's the social support side of it that we add to it. So you, are, if you are a mom with living uh, children, you need diapers, wipe, household items. We provide that. If you are a mom who experienced, um, you know, miscarriages, stillbirth, or had to go through an abortion, we have a different subset of support for that. We are a we are the true meaning of what wraparound services means. Um, it does not exclude. It is to be as inclusive, inclusive as it possibly can as we continue to grow. We don't ever stop learning at the Shades of Blue Project. There's never a one size that fits all way to do this. There's not a one size fits all approach. We focus on what works. Hell, we already know black women are dying. I get so sick of hearing that. Um, as someone who works wakes up black every day, I already know we dying. One, we're going to keep talking about the solutions and then implement and put those things into action. So we are action oriented over here. Um, if rent and lights and all those are the things that you are worried about, these are the things we need to address. Me wanting you to get into a support group and get some, you know, mental health support. That's what we want. That's why we're here. But it's not what you need. And when you need it, you know where to come and get it, though. So we curated the space. We talk about safe spaces. Um, safe spaces have to be ready at any given time. That's what a safe space is. It's not like, oh, we closed. Mm -mm. You got to have provisions in place for that safe space to be accessible um, at all times. And when it is not, be clear with the people so the people know. And so that is that is me. There's a lot of times where there's a gap um, in our communication um, with the people that we are serving um, where people like, oh, I didn't get no help from them, right? So there's a disconnect there. Um, I am the community that I serve. Um, at any given moment, any of us in these positions can be on the other side of that table. And remember how you treated, treated someone when it was them and not you. And so that's the mindset that we deliver care from. Remember, that could always be you. I tell my Kate, we say it as a running kind of thing in the organization. Remember, that could be you. I know that was difficult, but remember, that could be you. When you navigate it, you say some shit, and it may not be in alignment, but we're going to bring you back to center. We're going to be like, all right, let's pause and breathe a little bit. 
because we here to help. We we not your we not your typical normal government run agency state funded things. No, we do this because I know that we deserve better. This is why we do it. This is the driver, and so this is how we serve. We decrease barriers. We don't uh, mount them on top of how you get our services. Our application for the past eight years has been the same seven questions. It's no need for me to have to require your birth certificate, social security card for a pack of diapers. That's a barrier. I don't need to know all of your loan background history. I don't need that. That's not helping me to serve you better. I'm serving who you are now and not who you were then. Because if somebody was serving me who I was then, they probably would not like me. And let's be clear about that. And I'm always clear about that. Who I was before, you would not like me because I was laser sharp focused. I am that now with a layer of compassion, but I was not that before. So I let people know we're serving who you are and where you are right now. I'm not worried about your past or whatever. If you're doing things in good faith, this is why you're coming to us. This is how we are going to serve you as you stand before us and where you want to go going forward. Um, and so we don't do nothing at the Shades of Blue Project that is not necessary. So, so when y'all see us out here in the streets and we doing things, it's necessary to the mission. It's necessary to how we serve people with dignity. Um, our work is designed with dignity at the very top of that pyramid dignity when people come in the door how do they feel how do they feel when they call and ask for services how when they need the basic necessities like underwear and bra how do they feel when they go in our boutique because we call it a boutique for a reason i made it a high-end boutique no one else does that i made it a high-end boutique we give them a shopping bag go get your own stuff that's not for us that's your personal like come on now and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with what other people do, but this is what we do over here. Go get your own personal items. My staff will pull your household items, but go get your own personal items. We don't need to know all of that, right? We don't, we know that you have a need. That's what we need to know. But what you need, that's for you to go and be able to navigate on your own and not feel like you're just another number in the midst of this big world that's out here serving folks. But they ain't always serving folks with dignity, man. And it's the very, the hardest thing to do is to ask for help. And that's it. So when I was journaling in this process of getting better, I had to figure out one word to get me to get my ass up out the bed every day. And I was like, girl, you're going to have to find some inspiration from somewhere. So I just shortened that into inspire. And then it needed to be more than just a word to motivate me. Like, what does that word mean? And so then I turned it into an acronym little bit by little bit. And the first I and inspire is involve others. It's asking for help. Like you need help. You can't do this thing and navigate life by yourself. That's all of us. And I know it's frustrating because people be peopling, <laughs> but we do need people at some point <laughs> in this process. And so involving others is so um, important, but it's how you involve others and how others receive their involvement in what it is you need. Um, and it's doing it in a way that is gives you dignity, man, like respect. It's like, not just because I need help, you ain't got to talk to me like that. Or you ain't got to treat me like that. Like, we deserve so much more than what we are given when we need help. And that's the thing that I want um, to change in that. Um, and so much more that encompasses the Inspire Method, like nourishment and exercise, meaning, did you eat today? Did you move today? Did you just stay in one spot? Uh, in our communities, you know, religion is weaponized against us. We use that thing like you ain't doing this. The Lord ain't pleased with this, this and that. So the S for us is spirituality and prayer. You either got a spiritual life or you got a prayer life. Do what works for you, but not religion. Because, again, it, it can be so weaponized against us and used against us in so many settings. Like, well, like for me, the Lord wanted her more than you. Girl, don't make me cuss and tell you how I feel about that. <laughs> yes, right. Don't make now you now you got me. No, don't do that. Cause then I'm when I when I react to that, it's not one that you're gonna receive. So don't put me in a position to respond to you or how I especially when I used to tell people that I was mad at God. Oh, you can't do that. You can't say that. And I was like, Well, you we consider God to be our father, right? On earth, our earthly father, I stay mad at him. So if that's my father, I'm mad. 
work it out. We're going to work it out together. But I'm going to be completely honest with you about how I feel because I can't hold this in. I said, I'm mad at God. I'm mad at God. I'm working through that for myself. But you said something that initiated my response to you. And I said what I said. And I meant that. I'm working through that, though. I meant that, but I'm working through that. But that's that's my journey, right? So understanding how religion can be weaponized. So we say spirituality um, and prayer and then patience. Because when people be telling you to give it time, mm-mm, you got to have patience with yourself and then patience with the world. And just patience is something we learn. We're not born with it. Um, it it's, it's a thing. And so then that I, after that, is... One, people always say, well, you know, you got to change a little bit. First, you got to identify what needs to be changed. That's the only way change happens. So identifying and then initiating change. Like there's a process to change. It don't just happen overnight, but you got to take some steps. Um, You got to have some guidance. And then rest and relaxation because none of us get enough of uh, rest. And when uh, reclaiming our time became a big thing, I was like, I've been telling y'all that for a long ass time. Take the time to write 5, 10, and 15, 20, and 30 minutes on a piece of paper and put it somewhere. So people, when they see that that number on that paper, don't mess with me. This is the amount of time I need to get back into my right same frame of person. And then I'll get back to whatever else is happening. Only come touch me and tap me if something is on fire and I need to get out. But if it's not a fire, don't come. I'm just saying. So reclaiming our time and what rest looks like for the individual and not for everybody else. Um, and it certainly doesn't look like running on the beach. I hate that to be like the the, the view in which we are giving that rest and relaxation is chill. It ain't, it's not that it's it's so much more complex than that. And you gotta navigate that for yourself. Um, And then for me, it was about um, how do we remove blame um, that each day is a new day to start again. So if I don't do nothing else today, I wake up the next day, my eyes open, I get another chance to inspire myself. And I just kept going like that. Oh, I ate today. Oh, I didn't stay in bed. I got up and I went in the living room. Oh, I went to the park today. Oh, I went to the grocery store. You know, like, ooh, I took a 30 minute nap, right? I'm navigating what the inspire method is but not necessarily following it to the T because when we follow things to the T and we don't get them right, we feel like failures. Now it's do it in your own order, but you know, you're inspiring yourself, whether you do one of those things or you just wake up to a new day, you're learning that. And so that's the foundation. That's what I built this organization to stand on um, is what we need for ourselves first before we can help others. Um, I want people to understand that that is the meaning of self-care, what you do for yourself is how you'll be better able to serve others. So if you do not put yourself first, putting others does not serve you. And so putting yourself first and standing on that uh, is how we build that foundational thing and we build up. And so that's how we serve. Uh, I created Black Maternal Mental Health Week, honestly, sitting on the bed talking to my mama. And I was like, Ma, like... (laughs) I need to do something out here that kind of like makes people to understand when I'm talking about black maternal mental health. I don't want to keep like justifying why I'm saying specifically black. Um, I'm black. That's why. And there's other black people um, that are experiencing this. So it's black maternal mental health week, but it doesn't negate other uh, cultures and things like that because what we keep missing out here when we are navigating maternal and maternal mental health and we're talking about it is if we don't help black people, then other people will be adversely just affected of it by us. So fix the issue with us so it does not trickle down. Um, and not enough of that is happening and not enough of us have that understanding. That's what I am saying. We are the population that is being affected mostly by everything. Like we don't like leading away in this. I'm like I said, I'm tired of hearing that we dying. Shit is exhausting. Exhausting. And when we say we tired, we mean that with our whole heart. It's because it's exhausting to keep saying, okay, black women are dying at this rate and this rate. And depending on what state you're in, it's even higher. Mm -hmm. That's exhausting. That's mentally, physically, emotionally, all the things exhausting to us on the daily. And then we got to keep showing up. Right. And so I'm talking to her and she was just like, well, you know, I've always been a part of BMMA. She was like, well, they got the maternal week. Why you don't have a mental health week? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> she was like, exactly. Do it. And I was like, all right. And she was like, all right, case closed. Let's go eat. 
And so that's how Dr. Turtle Mental Health Week came about. Sitting on the side of the bed talking to her mama, and that's what she said. She's like, why not? I was like, I don't know. She was like, that's it. Let's, Let's go eat. Saw. Run with it, girl. That's what it was. Yes. Exactly. Make it do what know, it right? do, mama. No other goddess. <laughs> right. Yeah. Going on. You got it. Like, take it from there. I said, okay. And you just run with it. Um, and so there are. The, through that, though, being able to, you know, initially me saying how I thought that my mom would have this connection with me around the loss, um, it is something that she had to to navigate for herself on um, how to help me because that part of her was no one extended help to her. And so her not understanding how to help me just came over time from hearing like what I was doing and what I was committed to. And then her saying like, I'm so proud of you for just saying these things out loud to other people. And so I know that I can bounce things off from her. And if it don't, if it sounds weird, she asks a bunch of more questions. Um, But if it's like, yeah, I got that. Like, yeah, you should do that. But what if you do this? You know, she has input um, in it, but it was over time. Um, the understanding of like why um, I keep um, showing up and um, sharing my pain with other people, like how is that beneficial? And then getting to an understanding how it was beneficial and how it was something that obviously she needed back then. Um, and it just wasn't a thing. I don't know how often we uh, come across women that are over the age of 50 who say, where were you when I had my babies? And first I can First off, I make the joke and say, well, I wasn't born yet. And I make it very clear um, that our support groups are wide open. Um, We do not discriminate against age Um, because just like a womb that does not heal properly um, on the outside, it looks okay, but on the inside, it is torn to pieces. And so it doesn't matter the length of time. If you do not address those things that are bottled up inside, they are still there. Um, so age don't mean nothing um, to me. And so I just always extend that our support groups are wide open. If you want to attend one, it doesn't matter if your oldest is 40. Um, if this is a conversation that you can still have with me right now, then there's something still to be had to dissolve some inner things um, as well. So, yeah, that's really like what we are in a nutshell. So we are really celebrating this year. I'm going to call this, um, we talk about justice and joy, and I try to really make that my truth. I fight for justice um, with every breath that I breathe. I also fight as equally to experience joy, um, and that can be very difficult um, in this space, but I fight for it um, on the daily, even on a bad day. I am looking for the joy um, in things because I felt like I was robbed of a lot of that. And so I I control that. Um, And so I look for that in everything that I do. And so with this rolling up on like the 10 year of doing this work and being in this space and then five years for Black Maternal Mental Health Week campaign, um, we're going to celebrate some shit because we we work really hard to sustain this thing. it's been this up and down. Um, it's what what should we do? What shouldn't we do? But the one thing we never faulted on is we will never stop showing up authentically uh, in this space. Um, who we are, what we stand on, um, not compromising um, on the fact that who we focus on, who we serve in. And the funny thing about who we serve is everybody. That black in front of this thing don't scare nobody away. Let me be very clear on that. All types of people come to us for support. They may mention that I seen it. It said black paternal mental health, but can you help me? And the answer will always be yes. And so that don't scare as many people as the other people think it does when they see. That's bullshit. It does not. All kinds of people walk through our door. It's not that we are seeing uh, the color of folks' skin. It's just that others are seeing the color of our skin. That's the problem. That part. But it's not our problem. That part. We see people. We see people in need. That's what we see. But what y'all see, it ain't the same. It ain't in alignment with just us as a whole and our values anyway. So I just stopped defending this thing a long time ago. But I wanted to take um, this opportunity to just clear that whole thing up. Like people. She said what she said. And that's. Right. Thank you. 
Um, that's who we serve. We serve people, mm-hmm. um, but we do know that our people are struggling more than others. Um, and so that will continue to be our focus until it don't need to be right. that way. And that's what we're working towards, where it don't need to be that way. But for right now, it certainly is. Right. The world is telling you this. Um, so turn, take your blinders off yep. and see it for what it is. But yeah. Okay. I just, <laughs> this has been um, so wonderful to connect with you today. We are just, like I said before, truly grateful that you are sharing your experience with us, that you are sharing your work um, with us, with the community. You know, um, we have seen Shades of Blue from afar, but being able today to just hear like the the foundation of what you all are doing, I think is just going to be so beneficial for listeners and your story. And then the Inspire Method, like someone today is going to hear this episode and take that and walk that with their with themselves and so um just thank you for for being courageous for taking those steps every day to fight for justice and joy and we are just excited to share out this work we are excited to celebrate with you this year um yes because (laughs) it's what people say it's gonna be a party y'all yes Um, don't miss it. That's all <laughs> I got to say. Uh, because uh, although this is audio recorded, ask her, I got the genuine smile on my yes. face. This is my genuine <laughs> smile about like all the things that we do. Um, because like I said, showing up as my authentic self is just who I am. And so I don't have to remember if I was this way or that way yesterday. I was this way and that way yesterday. And so this is just generally... Um, who I am and who I strive to continue to be where folks know that we say what it is we mean and we do it. We say it and we do it and you ain't never got to question it. So, yeah. And I appreciate this opportunity um, to be in community in this way. um, And to honestly, I have talked about my story um, a few times. And as we uh, will most likely roll out our documentary this year, um, you'll see it in a different light as well. But it is good to be um, in community with my own people and have like that clear understanding of what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Um, And for it it to not be requested a question or like a rebuttal to what it is and how it is I say I feel. um, Acknowledging um, that this fucked up situation is how I got here mm-hmm. and it is what continues to help me to show up every day in yep. this space. Yep. And that's just it. And like, that's okay. And if it's not okay with you, then I'm not your cup of tea. But everybody loves K. Like, everybody loves kids. <laughs> everybody loves K. That's it. You cannot love you it. You want to give it to you. Yeah, I'm going to give it to you because that's the only... <sighs> No need to lie and to, you know, tiptoe, tap-toe around it. Yeah. That's just what it is. Oh. I want to continue to be in this space, be authentic, be genuine. Um, and when that is no longer um, what it ends up being, then that's how I know it's my ex- time to exit. Yep. But for right now, I'm not going nowhere. <laughs> uh, I'm here. Uh, I'm not going nowhere. So, yeah, that part. <laughs> and we stay in 10 toes down with her. So, that part yes thank you thank you thanks for listening to birth stories in color to hear this show and other episodes head to birthstoriesincolor.com <laughs>